Welcome to another edition of the Grizzden Pod. Um, we just all watched the Spurs game, and we're going to get to that um, in just a minute. But uh, before we do, uh, follow us on our social accounts. Uh, is it at Grizz underscore Den on Instagram? Yes. At Grizz underscore Den on Instagram. Uh, if you do already follow us, you saw something kind of cool happen uh, the other day. Uh, Jaws, John Morant's baby was wearing our Joggles onesie, which was pretty awesome. She posted like five different pictures. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. Our shirts are available on Grizzden.com. We just launched a new one, guys. Brantley, well, what's the new shirt? Uh, so uh, appreciate Blake Barnes, a uh, designer locally here in Memphis, who uh, brainstormed with all of us um, over the past week or two. We wanted to have a shirt that would at least sort of memorialize the current NBA situation that we're in and that maybe even a situation from a you know pandemic perspective. So we've got almost – we've got as many Grizzlies that we could fit on one T-shirt um, – <laughs> On the shirt, rocking the mask, uh, the Believe Memphis mask, and uh, it's kind of got a cool little concept where their their eyes are all uh, Grizz logo eyes. But um, got a bunch of different formats, got some slogans and stuff on there. We are only going to have these shirts available during uh, the time of the uh, you know kind of the Grizz bubble, if you will. So uh, limited edition, special edition, whatever it is you want to call it. So yeah, get them while they're up. hot. Yep, um, they're they're really awesome. If you go online and, and check them out, um, yeah. So follow us on on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe, rate, and review. We love hearing um, how much you love or disagree with us on the pod. We just want interaction. So uh, check us out. Hit us up. Have we heard from one star yet? Shout out one star. One star. Man, I don't know. I mean, we we haven't uh, shouted him out in a while, but it's good. I mean, thanks for reminding me, it Brantley. Was it you, Ty? No. Nah, Ty, welcome kidding. to the podcast. But one star hasn't come on and officially told us no, about himself No, we need one star herself. to come forward, so we're always in search uh, for one star. Okay. All right, guys. Um, so what do we want to start with? I, I would say there's there's plenty. So we just lost two, the first two games of our bubble schedule, uh, Nail Biters. Um, but we want to first start with big picture. We, we, last time we talked, it was before games had even started. So let's go round Robin. Let's talk about the bubble and then we'll talk about the positives from, uh, the last two games that we saw. There were a few, uh, that we're going to note and then we'll go into the negatives, which, um, maybe we'll center around one individual. Uh, but I guess we'll get there when we get there. So let's just start big picture bubble. Ty, what's been your biggest like basketball's back? What's been what's been your your thoughts in general about just the whole experience so far? Yeah, uh, one thing is it looks again. This is obviously coming from a television, but it looks very normal. You almost can't tell they're in a bubble, which I think was the goal. Uh, listening to it is definitely different, um, but watching it like it's really hard to tell the difference, and not just watching it as far as like the quality of play or just like quality of like what it looks like on television, but also the play, these guys are going hard. Uh, like it looks like we've obviously, we'll talk about this later with the Grizz and how we've already, it all, it already looks like we're in the playoffs essentially, especially against Portland and even tonight too. Um, but that's with all teams. 
there has been like one or two kind of lackluster games, but a lot of them have been intense. Um, and I think that's really encouraging to see and really fun because like playoff basketball in the NBA to me is probably my favorite thing to watch regardless of any any type of thing that can come on a television screen. That's probably my favorite thing ever to watch. Uh, and it's, yeah, it looks like that. Yeah, the playing meaningful basketball right now and kind of like a playoff con- playoff light context is – just been awesome so watching not only the Grizzlies but watching other teams you know like the Lakers in Toronto last night was just entertaining you know from tip to you know the final uh, to to the end of the game so uh, I think that's been really fun and I think um, it sort of made me think about just the experience that our team is getting and that was one thing that I can't remember if it was last podcast or two ago where we sort of talked about how part of the reason why we were coveting holding on to that eighth spot was just wanting to see kind of the the Grizz next gen get those playoff reps and sort of have some of those first time mistakes and just you the competition just picks up and um and see how they respond but also just have that experience and so I think they're sort of getting that right now not to say that it wouldn't turn up maybe another notch but it sort of feels like every team for the most part is in desperation mode and I think that that goes a long way in sh- a showing who your true dependable players are, and maybe sh- you know showing some that um, aren't too, which is kind of starting to, to to show some separation between different players on our team for sure. Yeah, I think that it's been encouraging overall. It, it kind of feels like March Madness a little bit because we yeah. have these afternoon games, and your team is not going to go you know two days without playing a game. So we have a, a game tomorrow night against the Pelicans, um, and we've had we had a game two days ago. So we, it really does feel like this March Madness. You're in this tournament already, um, and also it's really refreshing. I think props to the NBA because it's about the one arena right now where you have where you don't have a coronavirus concern. Like they've had zero positive tests in the last two rounds that they've done, or at least the last two that they've published, which is really encouraging to show, you know, this is, first of all, actually working. It's not like baseball where there's a risk that they could already just cancel the season, um, even though they've started. Like, baseball actually came out and said that the other day. So it's it's encouraging, and like you said, I agree, Brantley, it does feel like playoff basketball right now, and that's what we, we wanted from a, at least a Grizzlies standpoint. Um so yeah, it's it's fun to have games. Again, we have a, one another one against the Pelicans tomorrow night, which is super important. Um, all right, so before we before we get to our constructive criticism slash opinions, uh, what are the things that you, you guys have seen that are positives? You go first. You never get to go first. You're right. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> number one to me has been Jaron Jackson Jr. and his aggressiveness. Um, he is a guy who I think John Morant. You know what you're going to get. Yes, he had a very slow first half of play against the Blazers. Um, at one point, he had, I think, two points or something like at the end of the half or nearing the end, which was kind of crazy because he's our, definitely our best player. But Jaron is the guy, to me, that brings us over the top, which we've discussed before, because if he plays well and he's aggressive, you know what you're getting out of jaw. That's a pretty good one-two punch for a young team. So, um, yes, there are times when he'll have – he's really developed some ball handling – uh, over this, it seems like this mini training camp slash off season that we've had, um, 
And I like to see him utilize that, especially against slower big men like Yusuf Nurkic. Um, it's fun to see him getting to the rim. There are definitely times, I feel like probably 50% of the time, he is um, getting 90% of the way there and then can't finish. But again, he's 20 years old, and he's still developing. Also, he's definitely our best three-point shooter, which is crazy. Uh, he just hit a wild corner shot uh, to almost in the game into overtime against the Spurs. And what he's just been consistent and aggressive. And I also just, you can see that he's locked in, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. Because locked in Jaron, he, he has that personality that is super uh, outgoing, kind of fun-loving. But when he, it's fun to see him get on the court and actually want to win. And it seems like he is the emotional leader of our squad. They were talking in the broadcast against the Blazers that he was getting close to getting a tech. And I'm like, I don't, I've never seen Jaron yeah. mad enough to actually get a technical foul. But he was the one that they were saying was at, at risk of getting a tech. Um, so that's been fun. That's been a positive. Yeah, and there's, you know, the exhibition games sort of felt like almost regular season games. Like they didn't even really feel like exhibition or preseason games to me. And Jaron was not locked in right. in those. Right. And so I think that was a I think a concern that maybe the three of us had sort of just chatted on the side about like is he just kind of checked out, like something else going on. Are we gonna see the real Jaron? And with like within a couple of possessions in the Portland game you could see that he was locked in. And there and there's a couple of things. It's like you mentioned his dribbling. <clears throat> I think there's – he had, didn't just do it one time, but he was like crossing over right. between his legs in the lane against Nurkic and against the Spurs. Um, his Euro is starting to look a little bit more polished instead of just like this like pony, you know, or gir- baby giraffe just like barreling through the lane like with their legs wobbling back and forth. Like he's like hitting them in stride. Tonight, you were seeing him put like hesitation moves at the top of the key and crossing over and using that to get to the lane. So, I mean, and it's clear that he's um, very respected from the three, like the way that defenders are guarding him and stepping out on him. So, definitely scouting that. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's opening up that for him. So, um, I just, I I wanted to just second all of that. and, And it sort of also just lends into, like one of the positives that I was seeing is that it's just like when Ja, BC, and Jaron are on the court together, it just that just feels like the flow of this team and like where we're headed. And I just need more of it. I mean, the the way that the that I don't I mean, I do care who the other two players are, but when those three guys are on the court together, I just feel like good things are gonna happen all the time. And it and I ha- I don't have the stats to back it up, but in the Portland game, I know that those were the three guys that were part of that huge run. Yeah, in the third quarter. In the third <clears> quarter. <throat> yep. Um, yeah, I agree. Jaron was definitely my biggest takeaway for sure. Um, fouling a little bit less. I say that he had five fouls last game. Dude, you're not supposed they, to talk um, about that. That's like the no hitter rule, you know. You're <laughs> like, right, you're but right. you're right. they were. I I felt like there was only one that I didn't like. Right. Where he yeah, went up fair. to try to block Nurkic when it was already in the basket. Like, yeah. but then and also he it didn't affect his minutes. Yeah, as much. Which so is nice. y'all have spoken on the offensive game, which speaks for itself. Honestly, he looks great offensively. Uh, the shot, yeah, the shot he hit just a few minutes ago against the Spurs to tie it up was just ridiculous. Um, and I love that we ran a play for him at the end of the game to try to win it. I mean, he, that it. was a pretty good look. Um, too. It was. He it clanked was. it, but it was good. Look. Yeah. 
Um, so one thing I want to talk about is defensively, right? So, again, the story is he fouls a lot, which he does. Um, but also people would say that his, like, trajectory as, a, as an NBA player defensively was his, like, really super high upside coming into yep. the league. Um, everyone was like, this guy could be, you know, potential all-NBA first-team defense um, for several years in his career once he figures this out. Um, and we had mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm not going to bring that bring that up, but the fact that he averages a decent amount of blocks, and then we kind of looked at, like, who shoots a certain percentage from three with the number of blocks that he has, and, like, no one's even remotely close. Porzingis is decently close, but not really. Um, it's the unicorn definition. Yeah. So you can look back through the the archives for that. Um, so one thing I want to bring up is, so Portland played Nurkic at the five a lot. Um, and when we went, I guess you could say small, not really, but when Jaron played the five, he has struggled in the past guarding like bigger guys down low. Um, and I thought he handled himself really well against Nurkic on the post. Sometimes There were a few times where Nurkic kind of bullied him a little bit, but again, to be expected. Nurkic is huge. Um, that's fair. Sometimes you're going to get bullied. But one thing that I thought was awesome is actually what Terry Stotts had to make a change to what he was trying to do. What was killing us last last game against Portland is they would run this high pick and roll and put JV in, in the pick and roll to get Dame for us to make a decision, either to try to fight over the screen, whoever was guarding Dame, or for JV to try to come out and hedge or try to make a decision one way or the other. And Dame was doing whatever he wanted. Same with CJ McCollum. He was also doing that we would do the same. They would do the same kind of run offensively over and over and over again. And we made the switch, and that's when we kind of the third quarter when we made that big run. So offensively, one of the reasons we were making a run is because we were getting out on the break because we were getting stops. One of the reasons we were getting stops is because Jaron is who they were putting in the pick and roll, and he was holding his own. Uh, actually, he was doing really well in the pick and roll. So much so that Portland ended up just basically going five out with um, either CJ or Dame pretty much just at the top of the key with no screen. So they went away from a screen because Jaron was doing such a good job hedging or switching or whatever it called for, which is, to me, like awesome to see. If you can have a seven-footer who can switch out on the perimeter and, and just keep a guy in front of him, that's like – not a lot of guys can do that in the league. Uh, but then that also led to some issues because the one-on-one defense, we couldn't stay in front of either of those guys. And they, especially Dame towards the end, just got to the rim at will because um, he just started beating his man, who we'll talk about later. Um, but, yeah, I'm just really encouraged with his intensity, the drive. Like, he cares a ton. Uh, he's been, yeah, super aggressive. Um, and just his game is just rounding into form. Like, it looks – Right now, we were kind of talking about this before the podcast started. This is who people expected Jaron to be. We're seeing flashes of that. Two games in a row where we needed all of it to even be in the game, and he gave us every inch of it, too. And how awesome is it to, like, I mean, this has only been two years that you're starting to – you're literally seeing steps. I mean, he's a different player these past two games than he was – The end of last season, like January ago, totally. Right? I mean, he – there is just – there. I mean, we had a – you talked to Coach Ivy about it, right? Where we were like, when is he going to be able to make some make some of these 
you know, different type of moves. This isn't exactly what you were talking about. Um, and it's sort of similar. Like, how can yeah, he be his kind of, like, go-to When the ball is in threat? his hands, can he, like, yeah. do something with it? Does he have to be set up all the time? Yeah. And but, especially tonight, no, and against Portland as well. Like, he sizes guy up on the perimeter, took him off the dribble, made a play, got to the basket, hit a three. Like, he's kind of doing a lot of everything offensively, yeah. which is – Super encouraging. Yeah, and the one thing you didn't want him to be was passive. And I felt like early in the season when Ja was coming in and sort of taking over the team, you sort of you had Jaron who had been the face in the future of the franchise for a, a year, which wasn't isn't a long time. Right. And but at the same time, he was passive earlier in the year, apart yeah. from a few big quarters or something. Like totally, because his offense, so, what they asked him to do in the offense, has changed. It's even changed from the beginning of this year. So when even with lineup, so you can tell a huge difference in Jaron when JV's on the floor versus when Brandon's on the floor. Jaron is used completely differently. Um, right. We kind of mentioned this, like if you watched the game tonight, you saw BC catch this lob from Jaw that was just nasty. BC rolls so hard. So not only does that that does several things, right? So that gives Jaw a little bit of room because the defender has to get back with Brandon, or Brandon's going to throw a lob, right? Also, on the help side, if someone helps, especially if Jaron's floating around on the wing and his defender tries to crash down and help, he's wide open for a three. Like, everything just flows offensively to me when exactly what Brantley was saying. When those three guys are on the floor, we look like a completely different team. And rewatch the third quarter uh, from last game against Portland and watch that lineup get out and run. We looked like the fun Grizz next gen. Like, that was just the epitome of what I think we should be moving forward. And that's we show flashes, but then Jenkins has the longest leash of lineups I've ever seen. He's continually playing 10, 11 guys, which is fine. Like, Will, we talked about this before. Like, you want to see – you don't really want to see we us play seven guys and drive them into the ground. Like, we're yeah. trying to kind of play a big rotation and stuff like that. But when, it, when we make runs and when we look our best, those three are the primary guys on the court. Yeah. Uh, another bright spot was Grayson, especially this right, last game. Sure. Uh, he has had, he has been out of the lineup for a while due to injury, he had a hip injury. Um, but it was good to see him come and, and sort of round into form. He was a guy that you could actually rely on tonight. He had 15 points, shot a pretty good field goal percentage. Uh, it was nice that when I felt, I felt like when the ball came out to him on the wing, he could actually hit the shot. You didn't get nervous too. No, about what I wanted him he was to shoot. Make? Yeah, he had possibly one of the biggest turning points of the game was when he hit the shot to tie it up at ninety four. Then they waved it off because the foul occurred against Job before the shot. I thought that would have been a huge momentum shift, but you can see Grayson's confidence. He's lacking a little bit of uh, height. He has he's athletic, but he still has he's a step behind to me what you would want in a consistent rotation wing who you can rely on on the defensive end. Especially closing games with. Exactly. And um, I think the jury is definitely still out on Grayson, but it was a positive uh, step tonight um, from him. So that was another bright spot. Um, JV has done what he's done, and he's he's. it seems to be he's the starter, and then he hasn't finished, I think, either – game nope uh so but he's still putting up double doubles that's exactly what we yeah. want him to do i don't think he's complaining i don't think he's disgruntled he seems to be okay fishing in orlando what's yeah. up one quick thing too i guess another pause so i kind of looking through the twitter um and a lot of people are like 
Jaws kind of non-existent. There are flashes where he doesn't really show up. All this kind of a that's been all year, right? Yeah. Like he's definitely been pretty passive. First halves definitely like you mentioned the Portland game. So well, he's more of a through, distributor. Correct. That's what not pa- yeah. He's maybe not, passive, not as aggressive just... as far as scoring the ball. Exactly. Right? Yep. Um, again, rewatch that third quarter from the Portland game, and you'll see the jaw that we will see in the whole second half, to be honest. But one thing I want to mention is I was looking through, and people, a lot of people were like, man, Ja just really didn't, didn't really get it together tonight. This is against San Antonio. He just, he looked, he just looked like he wasn't engaged, looked like he wasn't aggressive, all this stuff. He had 25 9 and 9. And if people are saying that he didn't look in it and he had 25 9 and 9, good things are happening, obviously. So if that's our standard for him, then a lot has changed. He, and yeah, it's his just, problem is he makes it look too easy. And I made the comment while we were watching. I'm like, why didn't he start just being this aggressive with five minutes left instead of two minutes left? So I kind of like I had that same reaction, but I know that it's not realistic. But when you compare it to someone who is literally aggressive every time he touches the <laughs> ball, who we'll talk about later, it's kind of different when you see he someone pick their named. spots. Maybe in a well, smart it's because he's not forcing it right. Correct. So right. like when he's starting with JV. That's why you're why I was sort of talking about the three headed monster of JV, Jaron, and BC is because or Ja, excuse me, not JV, because when JV's in the game, he's not really respected as like a you know lob threat on the pick and roll. So I mean, you can give it to him high and he can finish it, but he's not going to go up and take a take he an. He doesn't oop. demand like help, right? And. And so Ja, whenever he's kind of going off of the pick and roll and sort of assessing his drive potential, is oftentimes backing it out and swinging it fast as opposed to just looking to force it um, into the paint. And I think that's where sometimes it's like we think – like I catch myself the same way thinking that maybe he's not being as aggressive, but really it's just he's taking what the defense is giving him. And we've sort of even within the past – you know. 12 games, which includes like pre-pandemic, BC was closing when he was healthy. So, you know, the kind of um, way that we were used to seeing Ja driving the lane, um, I don't know. I think that's that was one thing. I'll, I'll say one positive and maybe I'll react to what I just said or the other one. It's sort of a negative, but um, man, are we missing Tyus. And it's a positive because we've got him locked in and our second unit has struggled significantly and hopefully we'll be getting him back soon. But for the long-term potential of this team, I mean, he's up there in terms of, like, the players that you just got to have moving forward. I mean, he's he's a scoring threat. He can sort of – he's not super athletic, but he can hit the outside shot. He can roll around, a, you know, a screen and hit an elbow shot and, and, or his floater, right, really well. He can play alongside even BC or JV or even like a Gorgie, like just depending on what lineups we run. And we've just really missed him. And it's really hurt our second unit. You can see there's other players maybe playing in different roles where they uh, are being forced into it because of um, uh, of, of him being injured. So I'm sort of taking that as a, a little bit of a positive just because you're seeing the impact of not having him. Yeah, and he's exactly what you want in a backup point guard. The three things that you want are really easy to um, play with, like chemistry-wise, can fit with anybody. Because in the NBA, your your starters, maybe six guys are prioritized, and then that like you know back half of the roster always is turning. If you can have a backup point guard that can play with anybody, that's awesome. Second, he hits 
a shot when he's open from three or wherever, and he doesn't turn the ball over. That's Tyus in a nutshell, and he gives us exactly that every time and at a good price. Uh, and we definitely miss him, and I think one of the negatives, which we'll probably get to, is Melton has just not been the answer, which it's become very evident. We thought he could he's a combo guard. We thought we could slot him in, maybe survive, but it's very evident that if he's not going to hit shots – it's not like he's this pure point guard who you don't need to score. Like one of his appeals is he's he's a scorer. He can he can be scrappy. He can he can do a bunch of things, which is which is it's great when those things are um, positives. But then if he doesn't have one thing he does great and the the ball is not going in the basket, he just seems sort of like a warm body. Yeah, there. for sure. You you kind of see his limitations as being the primary ball handler with a second unit. Exactly. Um, and that's where Phoenix had him. And so he was either starting point guard for Phoenix last year or coming off the bench leading their second unit as a ball handler playmaker. And that's probably one of the reasons they quickly gave up on him because they really didn't know what position he was supposed to be. And if you watch our games this past year, usually they come off the bench together, Tyus and DeAnth. Like they are almost like a tandem. Rarely do you see one coming off the bench without the other, at least at the first sub. Um and when Tyus isn't there and you have to put the ball in DeAnthony's hands, you just kind of see his limitations of running an offense and getting other people, not only himself a good shot, but getting other people good shots. And that's why we are struggling to get open looks with the second unit. And our bench, yeah, our bench has been pretty tough. He's great situationally, uh, really good perimeter defender. He tries crazy hard. He's super scrappy. Um, and he's a good player. Like, I really like him on our team, but he has his limitations, and those are being – highlighted without Tyus, I think. Brantley, you made this point earlier, too, and since we're in the positive half of our podcast, I'll say this. <laughs> if he continues to play like he's playing when Tyus is not in, we could potentially get him for cheaper than we would have if he was just awesome. Yeah. So maybe future-oriented uh, <laughs> looking. And Kyle, forward. another positive, hitting some threes. Yeah, and yeah Kyle has actually Sean played well. His shoulder is not injured, yeah. and he's actually pulling up in a threat from three. Yeah, and he's been taking them without hesitating. Uh, so that's been fun to watch. Yeah. So that's all I can say on Kyle, but I can say that at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was incredible. The, maybe the best Grizzly bubble exhibition player oh, of all absolutely. time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean – the games the dude, that didn't matter, he was gosh, amazing. Lighten it up. I will say, like he, you know, we've he's a threat now from behind the arc. Which, when he's in the game, that's that's better than what it was beforehand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Much better. Like <laughs> I mean, it was like worse than Tony Allen. We forgot he right? was on our team. You fought, yeah, exactly. And maybe one more little small positive out of Kyle, and one thing that we've started talking about on like even JV is that. I think that if you continue to like have those types of guys have a solid, um, you know, play-in game, eight-game stretch, whether we make the playoffs or not, that does set them up for sort of trade potential for next year. We maybe can talk about that later, but it's positive. Kyle is maybe a good veteran player that you just want on your team, regardless. Um, that you could argue maybe one side or the other, but I sort of am always thinking like, how can we like help? him justify his existence from a salary perspective and if he's hitting a three and he's a threat then you know some veteran team you know maybe or you know one looking for to make a playoff run maybe willing to take on he's an asset. his salary from an asset perspective all right uh i think that we've gone long enough with this whole positive talk <laughs> because we gave ourselves a few minutes after the spurs game to cool down 
before we started this podcast or else we wouldn't have been able to pull it together. Uh, let's go to the negatives. Dylan Brooks sucks. <laughs> so strong. I can feel that he's we have, off Will right we now. We have honestly spent 40% of this podcast, the Grizz Den podcast, trying to talk and rationalize Dylan Brooks. Y'all have. <laughs> I don't know what... Ty had his mind made up. <laughs> That's true. Um, we had the whole podcast about him turning the corner. We were excited about the contract that we signed him to, which we can continue to discuss whether that is going to be a positive contract. Uh, the past two games have just not been very kind to Dylan Brooks supporters. Actually, Will, it's it's more like the past 13 games. That's Actually, a great point. It's just not been so freaking long. Correct. Not including okay. exhibitions. Since the past 13 basketball. games, Dylan has shot above 40% twice. That's tough from your starting two guard who shoots about 18 and, times and a night. Keep in mind, when we're, talking, when we're talking percentage, it's not like he's shooting three times. No, he's shooting like 16 times. He has the highest attempted shots in, on our team in any given night on average, and uh, he has the lowest field goal percentage in our rotation, except for Anthony Tolliver, which is not – he is not in our rotation. Yeah. He's a 10-day contract guy. He's not in your top eight. Yeah, no, surface no. level, that one statement is sort of enough. It's like a really great jumping-off point for an argument. It's like, do we want, as Grizz fans, Dylan Brooks taking more shots than Ja and Jaron? No. Okay, and he is. He's taking almost a sh- almost a shot per game more than both of those players. All right, so when we talk about Dylan Brooks, one of the things that we have actually liked about him is his confidence. Um, we another thing that we have liked is maybe his defense and his aggressiveness. Uh, he is one that is never passive. Uh, which you can spin positively a lot of times. However, those things really revealed themselves as huge negatives when put in the wrong context, a.k.a. against C.J. McCollum, who is already a giant Grizz killer. Uh, There's a video out there on the internet of all of uh, the one-on-one matchups between C.J. McCollum and Dylan uh, from, you know, when we played them, and it is absurd. Just how I haven't seen this. Well, we need to like post this somewhere. We so do. That, yeah. I think it was Worldwide Wob on Twitter who posted it. Just like, Classic. or at least retweeted it or something like. I might be wrong on that, but it showed just every possession of CJ just being patient and Dylan just going insane and either fouling or he has one pump fake and Dylan goes flying out of bounds and it's ridiculous. And we just saw it in this Spurs game. What happened in the Spurs Jerry game? Jerry Jackson hits an incredible three-pointer, incredible. which we've already referenced. Incredible. incredible. Truly incredible. Honestly, it didn't even look like a very good shot until it went well, in. Like and we thought that draw was a foul. Exactly. So, did. 10 seconds left. We tie up the game. De- DeMar DeRozan, the consummate pro, comes down and does what he always does, which is he comes, he's not going to shoot a three, so why are you guarding him out there? He comes up, he looks like he's going to drive for just a second then you realize there's two seconds left and so he's definitely not going to drive he then pump fakes and dylan of course goes 10 feet in the air comes down and demar just jumps right up and dylan comes right down on him fouls him DeRozan hits the free throws that end up clinching the game for the spurs 
And just it seems as though every single time we <laughs> come start coming back, and even if Dylan is a contributor in that area, like he'll hit a few shots. Like he he always he seems to hit that average of 16, 17 points a game every time. The, who care? Like, there's a million shots sometimes to get to that, but he'll always have a play, or at least in the past two games. I shouldn't say always. In the past two games, he's had the play where it's coming down the stretch. We're finally coming back. We have momentum, and then something happens where he just blows it. Like the um, charge that he got with under a minute left. Tonight. Oh my gosh! When he, he was doing? just driving, Ja had this incredible drive and a super shifty jukes out four defenders and has an easy layup. Dylan drives the court against two defenders maybe it was more like three and yeah. three but just barrels into straight line yeah you know, and and it was the easiest charge and brevin knight was just like it's the right call <laughs> it was just like so maybe before we as we continue to hate principally i think as we were sort of begrudgingly arguing will you and i were trying to find reasons to to justified Dylan Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that we kept coming back to thematically um, was if he can sort of like play in kind of this realm you know we want him to do this but if he can sort of you know we like his confidence we like this you know he's always drawing the the toughest offensive player if he could just sort of be coached into these type of scenarios it's like Now I've just come to the realization. It's like when, you know, we've all like dated girls or had friends before where you're just like, if they could just change that one, like stupid thing about them, they'd be great. They couldn't. But you're like, but then you wake up and realize that's just that, that, you know, mature Brantley here is going to say, that's just who they are. It's never going to change. This is who Dylan Brooks is. He is, he thinks he's the best player on the court. He's never going to be on our team. He thinks that he can shoot the most on the team and carry us. Some nights he he might, and he's going to hit them, and it's going to help us win games. Like that stupid stat that was going around at the beginning of the season, like, well, when Dylan Brooks scores more than 22 points, the Grizzlies are 75-0, and zero, whatever the, stup- the stat was. It was something ridiculous. Okay. The whole, the whole principle of my passion here is that we, I think, and I even tweeted this out, earlier in the game was like I'm done seeing him start I want to see him as a six man now I want to go back to my um you know six o'clock self and be like you idiot he's never gonna be the six man on the Grizzlies team because he's gonna always think he's the best player on our team period he's not that guy it's time I'm done I like I would love to see him prove me wrong as a six man but he's not a starter he's not someone that I want to start like I Tomorrow, start Grayson, start DeAnthony. Like, l- give Dylan maybe, like, let him take all the shots in the world in, in the second unit, for instance. Fine. But I'm done. Brantley's done. <laughs> With Dylan. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I, I really don't think that – I would be interested to see um, the time that it takes – for or the investment, the 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 coaching, like how much are they investing in trying to fix these things about Dylan's game that frustrate you, and how much are they just like, nope, this is just Dylan, and we just live with the bad in order to benefit from the good, which 
so far there hasn't been a whole lot of good in the last since he signed that contract, honestly. So it's almost as if I, I don't know what the organization, um, how Dylan is like in just internally what <laughs> it just seems as though he's a very high maintenance type of player to play with. It seems as though he has gotten to a point in his mind where he has these X amount of shots that he has to take, where he you can see 10 seconds before he takes a shot that he is going to take a shot this possession. And it's almost like if it goes in, it's a relief rather than you expecting it to go in. And so I, I mean, I would, he is the complete opposite player as a Brandon Clark, where Brandon Clark is just this guy who comes in. He seems like he's a guy who just comes into work every day. He's going to be incredibly efficient. I mean, he's, he is setting records for his efficiency, uh, which I guess would be the other end of the, of the sphere with Dylan. And he comes in and he knows exactly what his role is. Uh, he's coming off the bench. We want him to start. Like anytime he shoots, we're excited. It's just the complete opposite experience as Dylan Brooks. And they're like the same age-ish. Uh, they're, they're both valuable to their franchise in a way, whether it's just through their contract that they've been offered or their future uh, potential in the case of Brandon. And I just would love to not have the headache of Dylan Brooks anymore. And like really small things too during this game were um – were interesting to me like you were seeing people like Grayson and Ja like look off of Dylan on like kind of like fast court breaks like looking the other direction like they're a little they're small and nuanced but like normally maybe they would make that pass maybe it wasn't even Ja but it was like you know not just Grayson there's other players like looking off of Dylan because he's asking for the ball and they're looking the other direction and I just yes I'm 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 replaying back, you know, sort of the the thing that we talked about, um, where uh, a family member of a really important grizzly talked about his opinions of Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Do y'all remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, and he, and like what he was saying. A very important grizzly. A very important grizzly, <clears throat> and and that just always re- sticks with me. Like I just think about potentially like what yikes um we're watching we're watching jonathan, jonathan isaac, isaac so ACL. if that he sucks. is actually incredibly that injured that would be good. so sad i can't watch that, that oh good. that's awful okay let's okay move on man that sucks um yeah anyway uh, I wish Dylan all the health in the world. <laughs> yes, amen. <laughs> and a real and a real thing. I just I like he would make a great like I don't know Orlando Magic player or like some somebody like who just a wizard or the you know or bullets whatever their freaking name is just like a, a <laughs> Nick like someone who yes. just they don't have a they just need someone to take shots to be sort of entertaining like he does have a personality that it, like could be attractive for some fan bases. But he just – he's not – he does not need to be on this team long-term. And I would say past next year. Like, I will be upset if he's on the team past next year. That's Ty. Hot. That's hot. Ty, this – I mean, are you just, like, just no. basking in your, your affirmation no, here? No, it is. So, if anything, this is like – so, we've always known this is who Dylan is. First thing. Uh, first thing, yeah. Literally, when he was a rookie – um, a lot of people, he had a really good end to the rookie year, and everyone kind of took notice of that. Also, right? uh, again, late round 
late second round second pick. round pick yeah so, not you know no nothing, expectations exactly but I remember after his rookie year he had a few really good scoring games like he was on promos to start the following season but if you look at our roster when he had his really good games Brantley you speak of the Wizards and the Knicks just someone to take shots that was our roster when he really yeah. did well, our roster was so depleted that I think half our team was G-leaguers or people we've pulled from China. So Dylan was in a, in a spot where, yes, he was the only guy that could actually just like go get a shot off. And that's not changed. He has not changed one bit since his rookie year. And what's frustrating is our, the team around him has turned a 180. Um, but Dylan still has the same mindset of we have a team full of G-leaguers and he's the only guy that can go get a bucket. So it's frustrating that at Dylan's best, he can look like a really solid, even starting two guard, which is what's really frustrating. When he takes the shots that are open and smart, he hits them a lot of the times, to be honest. Uh, I don't, again, you can look through the archives, but I did a stat that he shoots a higher percentage on like spot up threes than any other shot he takes. That's including like at the rim. Um, I don't remember if that's exactly right, but it feels right. So we may have a stat update on you on that one. But anyway, he's not really within the flow of the offense. And he takes away from your two best players, which makes it really tough. That's one of the more frustrating things to me. Um, he plays super hard, which you kind of want to root for him. He's super aggressive on defense, which can be good and bad. Same as offense. So the, I mentioned to the stat that we threw out, the when he scores more than 20 a game, we have a really good record. The shot that he's taking now, he was taking then as well. He wasn't taking better shots at that point yeah, in time. Right. He was just making more of them. Right. So nothing is, again, Dylan has not changed his game at all since the first day he has become a Grizzly. Everything is the exact same. But everything else has changed. His role should therefore change. He should not have the same role that he has now that he did when we were a 25-win G League team. It should not be the same, and yet it is. I hate it's not all his fault. Uh, we didn't lose both games solely because of Dylan. Right, clearly, right. Every, That's like true. everyone that watched the games knows that there are a lot of things that happened. Brantley looks like that it, it was the reason he. Was I, the only I reason. think I can make a really strong argument that he is seventy percent of the reason why we lost tonight's. Maybe game. you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah, and if it's you frustrating. Give, if you give twenty of his shots, you know, to someone else, seventy five percent of which he missed. Ten of them. Yeah. Uh, so another thing that's really frustrating. So we talked about the three on one where he just like drove in and got the offensive charge. Um, so there was a play way down the stretch where Jaron hit a corner three off an assist from Grayson. Grayson got the ball at the top of the key, more so on the wing, um, was patient, took his time, drove the lane and made a smart play, kicking it to the corner to our best three point shooter, Jaron, who drilled a three. That was either to tie the game or put it within two. It was a huge shot. Huge play. I can't remember the last time that Dylan made a play like that. Drove the lane and consciously looked for a teammate to get a better shot than the he one can't. he had. He always forces shots to whatever he has. And it really it just really takes us out of our offense. It's just frustrating. It's really frustrating to watch. And we talked about kind of 
last time against Portland when they were trying to take the ball out of Jaws' hands, we were throwing it to to Dylan, and Dylan wasn't like making a play. He was just like, "How can I go get my shot up?" His mentality has to change, and I think y'all are right. I don't it's think not his mentality to. can change. So tonight, so. just Dylan shot twenty times from the field, seven times from three. He made seven of his twenty field goal attempts. That's a thirty-five percent um, rate. Uh, second worst next to Kyle Anderson, who took seven shots and made two. Okay, Dylan made one of his threes. That's fourteen percent. You're not you're, like get so the next Jaw took eighteen shots, uh, made ten of them. So fifty-five percent, pretty good, depending. Especially oh, since yeah. a lot of his shots are like contested, double team, whatever. Um, Jonas had twelve shots from the field, made six of them, shot fifty percent. Jaron had thirteen, and only shot five from the from three. You're not telling me that like if one or two of those seven that D- Dylan passes up or swings, I can think of one where I know there was at least one swing where it wasn't to Jaron that would have been a better look than what he had. A couple of those twenty that he was missing in the lane that he swings it somewhere else and like actually keeps the offense going instead of just keeping it to himself that it doesn't it's not at least five more points that's a, that's the difference in that game yeah that's true. i mean obviously the difference is also not being a bonehead and and leaving your feet and fouling DeMar DeRozan with zero seconds left which by the way who one of y'all made the point that Ja did that against Kyrie in game 3 of Ja's career Right, game yeah, three. Yeah, game three. Yeah, Brooklyn. He, he didn't go for the fake, and he then was mature and waited, knowing that that's a, a move that really good players tend to do because they know that who's guarding them. <laughs> There's also just like I don't know what the equivalent of this in basketball is like when you work with people who like don't have or you're friends with people who don't have emotional intelligence to just like understand the world around them in a way to where they can like respond appropriately. I feel like that's Dylan on the basketball court. He has no emotional intelligence to like what's going on. He's no just awareness. He doesn't no re- awareness, keeping his head room. down. We're in the middle of this game, coming back against the Spurs. He's like, I'm gonna get my next shot up. I'm gonna get He's not you're not Kobe, bro. You're Dylan Brooks. You're a second round pick. Like you, you we did pay you. Like and but now it's like someone has got to be telling him to force him into a different role. I'm assuming that some that Taylor Jenkins is a good enough coach to where he has been doing that. So one Great, yeah. So one thing about that with Jenkins, Dylan has not sat a single minute in each of the first two bubble games in the fourth quarter. He has played every minute in the fourth quarter and overtime of both games. So Jenkins is not – he like we talked about this very loose leash, the loosest when it comes to Dylan. He's not getting pulled for any bad decision he makes. And I'm not saying he should – I don't know. Like Jenkins is obviously the head coach. He can make – whatever decision he wants, and he's obviously made a ton of good ones, so I'm not questioning him necessarily. No, we are. You're questioning him. Not necessarily because maybe this is, again, we've talked about this too, where maybe this is all icing on the cake and whatever else, and maybe we're just really right. trying to put players in difficult positions to see what they have, see what they do. Maybe this is an evaluation process for Dylan. I have no idea. But looking at it like from a coaching standpoint, he could definitely make adjustments. And I know we're limited on the wing because Justice was supposed to be available and play a huge part of our team, and he can't right now. Josh Jackson, who I was really looking forward to in the bubble, has been non-existent. Um, and he's just he's not getting playing time, but he also, when he does, he doesn't look right. 
And then Melton is just has been a zero on offense, which is really tough, especially with our lineup, because we need a guy to be a plus on offense. And Dylan at his best, again, is that. He can at least get you a shot. It's probably going to be a terrible one, but he'll get you one. Um, but again, it, Jenkins is not – I don't know if reprimand is the right word, but he hasn't right. challenged him at all so far. Well, That could change, sorry. but as of now, I, what I was Jenkins gonna, has not. I think there's an argument to be made that that third quarter of the Blazers game was probably like the most fun in this season. You could make the argument just what's at stake, where we are uh, – Dylan, if you know, I just remember very vividly there was a shot after we had hit, gone on, you know, whatever, a run, like a 10 0 run, and Portland had to call a timeout, and then they panned to the Grizzlies bench, and Dylan is there, and yeah, he's excited for what's going on, but the point is he's on the bench. And so in that, like, we went on like a 32 to 8 run at some point in that quarter, and Dylan was on the bench. Like, that's all to me. Like, Who was it Mel- Grayson was out there. Grayson was out there. Grayson, D'Anthony with Jaw, Jaron, and BC. Yeah, that was yeah. The lineup. Exactly. Um, so, so Taylor Jenkins, since breaking news, not really, but since this pod has started, has his presser has happened, and it's come out saying that basically he's not opposed to making lineup changes for tomorrow. So let me pose this to you: If you're Taylor Jenkins, what's your starting five tomorrow? Uh, I mean. Obviously, given the if you want to go off of who who has the hot hand, it's obviously Grayson after the last game. So I would just slot in Grayson for Dylan. But also you have to think about who you're playing. Uh, the Pelicans, there's a lot of length there. You got to think about matchups. Dylan, for how frustrating he is, he is six foot seven, and you can't coach height. So. There's a there's an argument to be made that and he's a good defender from a matchup perspective. Like he's he he's an average decision. defender for sure. I think he's a pretty good defender. He's a good defender, but he man, tries hard. Those, those he plays try. that are just I don't know. You're right. He makes he's not a disciplined defender yet. That's true, but he's a good defender. I mean, he's better than I don't know. He's better than a lot of guys. So you're saying we'll keep I, the lineup the same, but slide Grayson in instead of Dylan? I don't know. I I still think that Dylan is a is a is going to start. Like I don't think he's. I don't think Taylor Jenkins is ever going to not have Dylan Brooks start. Dylan's because, definitely going to start. Yeah. No. And again, maybe opposed. Obviously, going to be opposed to both of y'all. I think he should start. Yeah. And the reason is, is because when Dylan is good, Dylan, we are a completely different team, and you never know when you're going to get a random good Dylan game. Like, there's a reason when he's good, we're really, really, really good. But what if and it's when he's not really good Dylan bad, you need? You need good wing. You need, you're right. You need good that good spot. Yep. And when we've been doing better these past couple games, we've been getting wing play from Grayson. Yeah, I think – yeah, no, that's a good point. But I think our best chance, right. oddly, it's to have odds. good wing play is having a good Dylan. Right. It's like – you would rather have the risk of Dylan, yes, given what he can he can provide, yes. Um, but at the same time, I definitely don't want him. Like, if anything, I want him to tighten the leash. That's the main thing. Is like if he's if Dylan takes like three straight jumpers from beyond twenty feet that he doesn't hit. Like, I want Jenkins to pull him, and I want him to understand that that's like like. If you're not hitting shots, you need to go to the basket. You need to get to the line. And he wasn't doing that. He settles for these jumpers 
that he only averages like two free throw attempts per game. Right, Never and you would think if line, his, yeah. I mean, we could talk he about him really being aggressive, very much but like either though, it's just like terrible pull up contested jumpers. Right, which as a team, that is something that was apparent in the first half, especially of the Spurs game. And I think Brevin was even talking about it when he was just saying, like, if you're not hitting jump shots, you have to attack the rim. And this Grizzlies team was just settling. And so Dylan was part of the problem there. So I, if anything, that would be my only coaching change would just be tighten the leash. I could still start it. I'm taking him and JV out. Oh, wow. Tomorrow. Are you I'm starting, starting Grayson and I'm BC? I'm starting Grayson and BC. And I'm going all small. And... Um, I'm going to let JV and Dylan feast off of, try to feast off of some of the, the Pelicans bench, which is good. Um, but, uh, cause JV was roasted against the Pelicans last time we played them. Yeah. He couldn't, hang. he couldn't handle any of them. And Brandon so, wasn't available and Brandon so wasn't available. So I'm, I'm going all in on that lineup. I, I want them I, that's who I want starting and ending games. Um, and maybe Grayson starts out sucking, and so you pull in Dylan quick. And it's a little bit of a motivational factor for Dylan. Like, dude, you have sucked ass for the past 13 games. Pick it up. These, you know, I don't, but I don't think giving whatever, maybe Taylor said nothing to him up to this point. I just highly doubt that. Um, and I think that. Dylan could be a player motivated by seeing his starting position pulled off. Yeah. But I honestly just feel like that it could be better to see him go against their bench instead. Yeah. It is crazy. One point, um, we're probably, maybe we're about to change that. I don't know. But with a very bad Dylan, our two young studs have carried us to an overtime. Right. Sadly a loss, but an overtime game against, some would argue, a fully healthy Portland team is a top five team in the West. I'm not saying that, but some people would make that argument. And Dylan was awful. Uh, tonight, yet again, Dylan was awful. And tonight's a little bit different because we're better than the Spurs. But still, we were right there in the game while he was being terrible. If he's decent each game, we win those games. Like, I'm not going to say easily, but I definitely think we win both of those games. If he's good not great just good and i think it's a great that's a great point that just makes me want to get off dylan even faster because like i want to maximize those guys as much as possible i don't want to like fit dylan as a you know square peg through round hole thing because it's just not gonna happen yeah i'm convinced it's not gonna happen yeah no i agree um ty did you have anything else you want to say before we not no wrap up so let's talk we have a few minutes left um let's talk about just the schedule where things are standing right now grizzly's still in the eighth spot we're at 32 and 35 now uh the spurs moved into the ninth spot with the win against us uh so they're they're two games back blazers dropped a close one against the celtics thank goodness uh so they're two and a half back kings are kings are three back and pelicans are three and a half back so, this next game tomorrow night could be the nail in the coffin for the Pelicans. It'll be curious which is crazy. See, yeah, it'll be curious to see. Well, nail in the coffin, as in the Pelicans not being completely being out of potentially out of the, like they would have to really yes go hard to get into the ninth. Seed. Right, exactly. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Jenkins views this game coming up against New Orleans. 
it does he shorten the rotation? Does he truly go literally all out like it's the game seven of the finals? Is this a must win game in his opinion? I doubt it. Um, but that'll be kind of interesting to see. One thing I wanted to lay out was you mentioned the Spurs are definitely in the ninth seed right now. They're two games behind us. I just want to mention y'all their remaining schedule. They go to the Sixers, uh, which lost to the Pacers kind of shockingly. Um, CJ Warren had 53 points. He did. So maybe an outlier. Yep. Uh, Sixers, Nuggets, Jazz, Pelicans, Rockets, Jazz. Uh, if you've watched the bubble, the Jazz have not looked great. Um, thank goodness they beat New Orleans, but they didn't look good doing it, and they looked horrendous against OKC. That's not ideal for us because those are potentially winnable games against the Jazz for the Spurs. Pelicans not looked great either. Um, Rockets, are, they're definitely going to lose to the Rockets. And then Nuggets, Sixers. So they could easily go 500 the rest of the way. Um, so we're going to have to win. We're going to have to win some games, right? Yeah. Is my point. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Like, yeah. again, overtime to the Blazers and a very tight game. to Like, we're not – we look like we're very competitive right now. Yeah, I mean, the ball bounces, you know, one different way in both games. For sure. And we're sitting here Tuna. celebrating. Yep. But it just shows, like, you have to capitalize. If you're going to actually, um, like, be in this race, if you want to be a legitimate team – you have to capitalize on opportunities when the Jazz beat the Pelicans and then you're playing the Blazers and have a chance to go just, like, take two games away from probably the two biggest competitors to your play-in series. And so, um, yeah, so the Grizzlies, I mean, they're still, like, they're still in the driver's seat. I would say they still control their own destiny for sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see who... Um, comes out of this bubble into a play-in series. Blazers are probably the odds-on favorites right now to be playing us, given how the Pelicans have looked, although that could change tomorrow. Um, and Sacramento just lost to the Magic. And so Sacramento just lost, and they just, did not look good. They're out of it. Yep. Um, all right, so. so let's wrap up here just real quick, rapid fire. What? Uh, where are your guys' heads at right now? Is Are you worried about the Grizzlies at this point in time? What is your prediction now that we're two games in for the rest of the way uh looking before this or when the schedule came out just looking at the schedule i predicted us to go three and five um so no i'm not i i think we're, we can still easily get three wins of our next six um so i think this the game tonight really hurt because i really thought we were going to win that game and i think this is one of the few teams that we actually play that we're just straight up more talented than we have a better team than them um, but no, I'm not too worried. I definitely we will have a play-in game. I think that is solidified. Whether we make whether we that happens as us being the eight seed or not, I don't really know. But I really feel like we're going to be in the play-in game because um, I think San Antonio could lose out for all we know. Uh, it's just every like we talked about earlier. Every game is tough. Like these teams want it. Every team wants to win all of these games. At least so far, that may change the further we get into the bubble as teams get more solidified in their seedings. Um, but no game is easy right now. And I'm encouraged, like I said earlier. I really am. Jaron is a new dude. Like, he has come to this bubble he's with taking a, a step. completely new mentality um, and skill set. Like, he's doing things that he just looks really good. And mm -hmm. Jaws, again, being Jaws, it's just really encouraging that our two 20-year-olds are truly leading us in all aspects. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just excited to see, and I love getting able to, being able to see us with our backs even more against the wall. I think that's going to be fun. What do you think, Brown? I'm a little worried 
because um, I think I mean I think not having Tyus really hurts us, and I, I'm assuming that we won't have him tomorrow. Um, so maybe we get him back. Um, I can't remember who the game is after that um, that we have, but maybe we get him back after that because they originally said a week. Um, and I don't feel great about trusting Dylan to be our third next guy. He's acting like our first, like we just very well well articulated. So um, someone's got to step up. Is it going to be Grayson? It doesn't look like Josh Jackson's even going to get the minutes to step up. So maybe Grayson steps up and he kind of becomes this, you know, fourth scorer, but um, kind of a, a wing option for us that helps us, you know, create some momentum. But we're sort of reinventing ourselves in the middle of an eight-game playing seat, you know, kind of seating tournament, and that's sort of, that's interesting to watch. But doesn't make me feel too great because um, we're not just hitting with the kind of momentum that we had, you know, before all this stuff happened. So yeah, I mean, you have the two teams that were talked most about when it comes when it came to the eighth seed uh, or the playoffs in the West uh, coming out of the eighth seed were the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. They've both, both dropped their first two games in the bubble, which is not expected. They both have their backs against the wall and they're playing each other tomorrow night on prime time. It's the one game that the Grizzlies have on national TV besides like NBA TV. But um, I think that's going to be the tipping point. I think we're going to see either are the Pelicans going to be down and out after three straight losses. Are they going to mail it in? Um, are the Grizzlies then going to, uh, if if the Pelicans lose, are the Grizzlies going to kind of have their swagger back, or are we going to see a Grizzlies team drop three straight um, and everybody else, uh, you know, taste the blood and the water and go for it? So. How many minutes do you think Zion plays tomorrow? I don't know, but I can tell you this: he's going to be playing in the last three, unlike the first game. He's got to. I mean, he came out against the organization saying that he was just actually pissed that he wasn't able to play. I didn't see that. Yeah, that was like a Good a for theme. him. So um, they're dumb if they don't play him in the last three minutes. That's all I'm saying. So uh, I hope they do. Yeah, me too. I want him to play. Me too. Yeah, um, of course. So we'll, He's terrible we'll see. at defense. We'll, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, case in point, tomorrow night it's a big night. Big night. So if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, we sure hope we won. If not, you're going to get another sad pod later on or an angry pod. Um, but anyway, thanks for joining us for another edition of the Grizzden Pod. Check out grizzden.com for some awesome, awesome shirts. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review again. Follow us on socials. Uh, get in the conversation. We're trying to be more active on the Twitters at Ty Smith Sr. Um, so... <laughs> Follow him, follow us, and let's get a win tomorrow night, guys. Come on, Grizz.